All right, welcome back to another episode of the Team Rhino Outdoors Muskie Fishing Podcast. It's probably been, oh, I don't know, six weeks or so since I've put on a new episode. I will encourage everybody, if you haven't done so already, subscribe to this podcast on whatever platform you listen to. That way, when we inconsistently put out new episodes, you'll get some sort of notification on your device that says that we have a new episode and that way you don't miss them because we are not consistent at all with this podcast. If you want a podcast that we are very consistent at, check out Backlash Podcast. That's the one that we do with Brad and Carrie Hoppy with Muskie Mayhem Tackle, and we put that one out every single Wednesday, and you can find that one wherever you're listening to this podcast. This week, we're going to talk to Nick Maltby with Bangarang Custom Lures, and we're going to talk about history of his baits for everybody. It's not a household name, right? He has been doing, you know, baits for a long time. He was doing some bucktail work, and now he's transitioning into, well, I shouldn't say transitioning. He's been doing an awesome job on some hard baits. He's got um, himself a crankbait and some dive and rise baits. So if you're looking for a soul searcher or freight train, he's, he's, he's definitely doing some great work in the hard bait section now. Paint work is unbelievable. Some of the foil and glitter stuff he does is, is top notch. So we're going to talk to Nick about that stuff. And speaking of Nick's baits, depending upon when you hear this episode, if you listen to it on the day it's released, we will be getting a new batch of his Soul Searchers and his Freight Trains, both in the 6-inch versions. And the last time we got Soul Searchers, they sold out ridiculously quick. So I would continue to check out our website today if you're listening on release day. We should hopefully have a batch up sometime in the p.m., of you know the if you're looking if, if we're going for a time frame maybe like the 6 to 7 p.m central standard time range i'm guessing and so that that's if you're listening on release date if you missed it uh, we typically put a note on the website when their last batch was and when it sold out so that people have an idea you know if if they missed them or or if we, they didn't sell out yet or whatever so that's kind of the deal if you're looking for a bangerang custom bait we will have some on the website very shortly so if you're listening in the morning, uh, check our website later on this evening, and, and hopefully we'll have some on there. Like I said, if you uh, find the Soul Searchers, even the freight trains, I mean, they sold pretty fast as well. Last time there was a few colors that were gone quickly. So that's that. And if you aren't familiar with our website, it's teamrhinooutdoors.com. You can find tons and tons of custom lures there, stock colored lures. I mean, we have... Inventory continues to grow. I say that every single week, but it does. It literally continues to grow. I just spent the last part of the weekend, you know, adding, I would, we'll call them new products, even though they weren't necessarily new. We had some electric colors that we had from Slammer Tackle. Those are new, but the baits themselves aren't new. We added uh, that stuff in like the five inch shallow minnow, some of the deep shads and things like that. We also re-added back in the Rippin' Dogs from Musk Innovations and the Mojos from Musk Innovations. We just did some stock colors for now. We'll probably have some custom stuff coming down the road. If you're looking for the new flipper from Livingston Lures, we have that out. If you want to see a video of it, check out our YouTube channel or the product page on our website. It comes in a um, 3.7 ounce shallow model, and it comes in a 4.3 ounce deeper diving model. I would say that if you're looking to fish in the 3 to 5 foot range more consistently, you're probably going to be better on that shallow model, which... Uh, the deeper model is actually the one that sold a little better, which I think later as we get to late fall, that one's going to hang a little bit, get, get down a little deeper, hang a little bit more. So that one will be a little better there. You want to find the new Smitty Wizard Spell Bucktail, single bladed bucktail. Uh, Jake's been catching a ton of fish on that. We have those. We have some new colors in whale tails. 
and we got the hyphen creepers and hogbusters. We also have some new colors in a bunch of suic lures, and I'm sure I missed you know tons of stuff. I always do. I know that uh, we've we've been restocked on spanky baits, musky mayhem, musky frenzy, all that stuff consistently throughout the season. So enough about Team Rhino Outdoors, but that's where you would want to go, TeamRhinoOutdoors.com. And I want to thank everybody for coming out and shopping with us this year. It's been so far another another great year, and we can't thank all of you enough for that. So with that being said, we're going to move on and going to dial up our conversation that we had with Nick from Banger and Custom Lures. In this episode, we're going to talk to Nick Maltby with Banger and Custom Baits. Nick, I want to thank you for taking some time out of your schedule to talk you know, musky fishing with us, talk about your baits. Let's get rolling a little bit. Let's talk about history. You know, let's talk about your company itself. And because I'm sure there's a bunch of people that aren't familiar with it. Let's talk a little bit about what got you into musky fishing. Yeah, absolutely, Jeff. And uh, also thank you for the opportunity of bringing me on the podcast. I appreciate it. So basically, uh, I'd say probably, I think we're going on seven or eight years now. I actually used to work at, I was a manager at Gander Mountain back before they uh they went bankrupt that was like my dream job at the time you know i i had always been working retail pretty much since i was a teenager till you know up until then obviously my mid-20s everyone that worked there you know was into fishing and hunting and all the outdoor stuff and whatnot and uh just kind of on a whim i i had a buddy of mine that i worked with and we just kind of just started talking about muskies or whatever and we started kind of looking up just lakes around in the area started fishing for muskies we didn't have an absolute clue what the heck we were doing we were using you know spinning reels and you know using bass baits and pretty much didn't have any clue what we were doing but you know after a while you know we started kind of figuring things out, doing a lot of research. I'm kind of a nerd like that. Like when I get into something, I, I go full force. Anyways, after about a year or so, you know, we finally kind of got our rods together, good rods set up, kind of figured out, you know, the bait program, what type of baits and stuff like that. And, you know, after about a year or so, we both caught our first one. And for me, when I caught my first muskie, the feeling I got from that just because of working so hard to catch one over a course of an entire year, it was just extremely rewarding to me. I mean, one of the most rewarding things in, you know, that I've ever obtained through a hobby, I guess, because at the time it was just a hobby. But yeah, I just remember catching that first one and it just really kind of changed my whole outlook on fishing in general. And yeah, and then after that, I was just 100% hooked on musky fishing, no pun intended. So from there, obviously, like I said, I, I'm just a really big nerd. Like, when I get when I get into something, I just, I go full force right at it, head first. I want everything to do with it. That's my life now. So then once I started, you know, getting into the bait and the you know, the tackle and the equipment and everything. Obviously I, I wasn't, I wasn't very rich or anything by any means back then. So I was trying to figure out ways to, you know, have a nice setup, have, have the nice tackle, have the nice equipment without spending, you know, thousands of dollars that I didn't have. So 
I started actually building rods back then. I, I didn't really build a whole bunch. I just kind of dabbled in that because I wanted to build my own musky rod. And I don't know exactly where the transition was, but at some point, I decided to buy a fly tying vise, a gander mount. It was like a kit, like a gander mountain fly tying kit. So I just kind of started tying flies just for fun and kind of dabbling in rod building and whatnot, figuring out the ins and outs of that. Then, uh, once I got kind of a little bit deeper into the, you know, the depth of the niche that is musky fishing, I started realizing like, man, like these guys are building like all these baits. Like these are, these aren't, you know, an obtainable or an un, inobtainable, you know, product that I just can't afford. This is something that I can actually build myself. And, you know, me and my dad growing up, like that was kind of our thing was DIY stuff. You know, I remember building my own bow and arrow. We made like sweet, like old school Native American style, like arrows with arrowheads and turkey feathers. And, you know, and we also, we did taxidermy together. I remember I, my first personal best smallmouth, me and my dad, we mounted it and painted it ourselves and stuff like that. So I kind of kind of already already been introduced to that, you know, like DIY craft art aspect of, you know, of you know that. So I don't know. I just kind of I had this shift. I had this this fly tying vice that I bought from Gander. This was back when Dadson was kind of had his breakout moment. I guess probably, yeah, like five six years ago. All you, uh, all you heard about was Dadson all over the musky pages, all over the forums. And my favorite bait to use was, you know, inline spinners or bucktails. I just kind of started studying his stuff. And by the way, I just want to give a huge shout out to Dadson blade baits. Cause honestly, if you know that at the time they were my, my biggest in- inspiration, like my biggest influence, I just absolutely was obsessed with those baits. I've never owned one, and I think I've actually only held one in my hand once just because they were so hard to find. But um, I just got absolutely obsessed. So anyways, I had this uh, crappy little $40, well, the the vice itself was probably some cheapo $10 fly tying vice. I just started going. I I bought some Marabou at Gander. I bought um, some Thread and started going on um, the forums and the bait-making pages and stuff like that, just kind of trying to figure out how these are made. Because, again, I, I, I'd never... I, I'd held one in my hand once, but this was after I, I, I knew what I was doing. So I figured out the whole process just by hours and hours and hours of research. I mean, that was literally... I'd be at work on my break, and that's what I would be looking up is just how to build bucktails, how to powder coat blades, how much weight should we put in on this bucktail and stuff like that. So uh, once I started figuring out they were built on coils, that's kind of where it all started. I, I yeah, like I said, I, I, I bought a bunch of marabou, just kind of said, screw it, and just started tying. I just tried to, you know, I was looking at dads and stuff on Instagram and on Facebook, and I just kind of went at it. I think my first one 
uh, it took me about all together. I'd say it took me about four or five hours to tie. And I was just like, this is impossible. I don't know how people are doing this and, you know, selling these, you know, having to put this amount of work into, into, um, producing them. So I, at that point, I mean, it's not like I was doing at that point, I wasn't doing it to turn a profit or anything. I was just building these baits for myself and my friends just because again, I mean, I, I didn't have much money at the time. So I just wanted to figure out how to do everything on my own. But of course, with anything, you know, in time, you just, it's impossible to, you, you can't get worse. So I just kept tying. And after a while, I kind of started to get good. I started to get good results, like results that I wanted to see. I mean, my, my first, you know, 10 or 20 pies were just the ugliest things, man. I wanted them to look a certain way. I wanted them to look a certain way in the water. I mean, obviously with bucktails, there's, it, it only does one thing, you know, it just spins in the water and the hair and undulates. But I, I just, yeah, man, I just went total nerd and just figured out every single little detail aspect that I could to make these the absolute best um, that I could for, you know, what, what I wanted. So, yeah, that's kind of where it started. Uh, it was just, just a hobby that I just got addicted to. Then I think probably a year later, that's when Gander Mountain was declaring bankruptcy. And at this time, this is now when I've gotten good. I, and this is when I finally, you know, I came up with the name Banger and Customs. And I, I made a Facebook page. I made an Instagram. Uh, I started selling them to just my local musky friends. And uh, also kind of selling a few here and there just through my Facebook pages and up on, you know, the, the musky Facebook pages and stuff like that. And then I found out Gainer Mountain's going out of business. So I'm like, shoot, I got to figure out the next retail store to work at. I got to figure out the next management position I can get into. So, but everyone at my work and just my friends, and my, my musky friends and just everyone, they're like, they're like, dude, you don't have anything holding you back right now. You should just try and do this. I mean, you, you really have nothing to lose. You know, you can always, you know, just try it for six months. And then if it doesn't work out, then you can just, you know, go and find, find a new job. It's not like you're getting fired from this place. You're just getting laid off. It's nothing out of your control. You know, you, you did a good job here. So, so anyways, I just kind of brushed it off for a while, but yeah. And then, I went on unemployment. I had some money saved, but I went on unemployment. And during that time, pretty much took all of my savings. I, one of my managers actually from, from Gander, he actually sat me down and he's like, dude, you have a talent and you really need to, to capitalize on it. You need to take advantage of it. He's like, you're young. You, you're, you, you you know, you, you have the, the world is your oyster. You need to just try this. And he just, yeah, just kind of inspired me to just kind of take that extra step to go from passionate hobby to, you know, something I could do, you know, for a living. So, yeah, I just, I kind of, it was really hard for me to take that step. I was really nervous because again, like at the time I, I didn't know what the possibilities would entail. Like I had no idea 
about anything other than I can build a, a pretty good bucktail. That's literally all I knew. So I took all my savings. I figured out, you know, where to buy all the materials, where, you know, in bulk or, you know, the, be- the best I could. Just I, I sourced materials the best I could. And I took all my savings and just grabbed a bunch of hair, a bunch of thread, a bunch of coils, everything. And I just kind of went hard in the paint. I went really hard in the paint for, you know, three or four months just sold as many as I could on Facebook. Then the Chicago Monkey Expo came around in in January. So that was like, you know, four months or so after I, you know, um, started doing this, you know, as, you know, quote unquote, full-time gig. And yeah, I went to that, um, to that Chicago Monkey Expo and I brought, I think like at the time I brought 60 baits and I just thought that that was just, insane amount of baits uh and i pretty much sold all of them and once that happened and i i kind of i got to meet a lot of people there i got to make a lot of connections um i you know made you know a bunch of new customers a bunch of new clients stuff like that and that's kind of that was the turning point was that chicago musky expo i think it was 2017 2017 or 2018 Chicago Musky Expo. But that was the big turning point was, okay, I think now that this is something that I, I might be able to pull off. I'm selling baits. I mean, again, I was scraping by, absolutely scraping by. And I, I, I was only on unemployment for, I think, four months. I stopped taking the unemployment after the uh, Chicago Musky Expo because I, I, in my head, I was like, okay, let's just try this. Like, let's do this. Like, let's take the training wheels off. Let's cut the, the unemployment and let's do this. Like, cause I, I felt like in my head, I'm like, okay, if, if I'm sitting here kind of getting this, you know, this extra little cushion, I feel like, uh, it's going to make me, you know, kind of, um, complacent, I guess. So I, I took that away. I stopped taking that and I just, that's yeah, that I, I just, for the first three years, all I did was live off of the bare, absolute bare minimum profits that I was bringing in. I don't, I, I look back now, I look back at my books now and see how much money I was making back then. And I'm just like, dude, I don't know how I made it work, but, but I did. Cause, um, you know, at some point once I really started, I just started seeing things happening and I started seeing this grow and it just got me super excited and just opened up this huge passion in my heart to this is now something that I absolutely have to just put everything into. And that kind of brings us to de- into today. I mean, that's just kind of how it started. So, I mean, obviously from then till now, obviously a lot more has happened. I've, I have different baits now. I don't really tie much anymore just because I, uh, I just, I enjoy doing hard baits and wood baits more now, but that's kind of the, that's kind of the story. Um, in a nutshell, I don't want to keep ranting, but, um, I, I guess that's probably the going to be the larger chunk of me talking today, but yeah, that's how it started, man. It just started out as a hobby turned into, uh, a passion and the passion turned into a business. And I'm the type of person where I just, I don't give up and I always want everything to be better the next time. 
So every single batch that you see, whether you see it or not, something about that batch is going to be better than the batch before. And that's just kind of the, my own expectations. That's my own standards. And it's gotten me to where I'm at and I'm going to continue doing that. That's my story for how I got, how I got started. Well, it's certainly a great story. You know, behind the most businesses, there's always a passion, right? And so obviously there is here. I know the story with uh, Team Rhino Outdoors was a, a very similar deal. You know, I was big into musky fishing and I was doing all this custom stuff that I would do with all these different these different manufacturers, you know, cause I knew them, I kind of became friends with them. And so I was doing it for my own personal use. And I was like, ah, oh, what, what, wonder if I would, could do a business doing this. And so it kind of started mm-hmm. small and, and, and kind of grew on from there. So I definitely know the story. It's a very similar path. You know, when did you decide you wanted to make that turn into hard baits? Because, and did you have the same kind of struggles? You know, you, you talked about how your earlier ties weren't very pretty. And did you have similar struggles with that, with the wood stuff? Oh my Lord. Yes. <laughs> There's a uh, a lot more to go into hard baits and wood baits. I mean, we're talking like multitudes more work. I mean, obviously at the beginning. I mean, again, with anything, the more you do it, you know, the the easier it comes, but the Bucktails was just kind of a launching point. I knew I was I wanted to get into hard baits, but I was it was very daunting because I just I didn't know anything about epoxy. I didn't know anything about an airbrush. I didn't know anything about paint. Um, I didn't know anything about what type of wood to use. Pretty much those first three years, uh, do, you know, kind of staying afloat on bucktails. Again, just like how the bucktail started, any chance I had in between, uh, I would be researching anything and every little detail you could possibly imagine as far as the, the hard baits go. Yeah, that's, I mean, the bucktails took me about a year to kind of, you know, hone in on and, and really refine, but the, the hard baits took me, I mean, a good three years to really figure out. The only other thing that I was worried about was, you know, these wood baits, because I know that the, the bucktails, those are not easy to semi-mass produce, and because it's it's everything is literally and i mean of course the wood baits are by hand but what's nice about the wood baits is once you figure out each process then you can kind of produce them in a factory style manner where you know instead of doing one bucktail at a time tying one bucktail at a time with hard baits you can you know make 50 100 blanks and then each process you can do individually all right so nick let's talk about hard baits you have two of them that we carry right now we have the uh, freight train and the soul searcher i was kind of i guess blown away at like how how much demand there was more for the soul searcher than the freight train i figured the freight train would be the one but apparently it's the soul searcher let's talk about that one first what makes that bait unique what did you design it for well, uh, my fir- the first muskie I ever caught was actually on a twitch bait. It was on a, a storm flat stick. So I always kind of had a um, just a special place in my bait maker heart for uh, twitch baits. Yeah, after I kind of uh, refined the whole hard bait process on the freight trains, that kind of gave me the confidence to kind of move on to the next thing. And I always knew I wanted uh, a twitch bait. I just kind of went down that 
rabbit hole. Obviously, every bait I make, I'm making it for me. I'm making a bait that I would want because that's how the business started. I, I made a bucktail that I would want the way I would want it. Same thing with the freight train. So, you know, with the, the Twitch bait, I was like, man, how, how do I, what do I want to do to this that I can't really find anywhere else that I would really enjoy fishing, you know, out on the lake? I was always a fan of the, uh, back in the day, I, I, I really enjoyed using Rapala Countdowns. They kind of have like either a neutral or like a, a sinking buoyancy to them. And uh, I was like, man, I, you know, the freight train, I know everyone likes their baits to go deeper. I also like my baits to go deeper. So I was like, man, maybe I could do something like that. Something that's kind of like neutral that, you know, can also, you know, pause in place or, you know, something that can, that can sink, uh, kind of like a glide bait. So yeah, that was kind of, uh, right off the bat, that was kind of where, like, that was the idea where I was like, okay, I think this is what I want for this bait. I want it to be neutrally weighted so it can either pause in place or it can you know sink or or it can also you know rise you know i started out because uh, the freight train you know it has the removable weight system on it and everyone loves that i love that in my opinion that's one of the main selling factors of the freight train is just the the removable weight kit so i kind of dabbled with that on on the soul searcher at first but there was something about that that extra removable weight on those soul searchers in the prototype stages that it just it really deadens the overall action of the bait. So figuring out the weighting, the internal weighting for the soul searcher, I'd say was the absolute most frustrating part of the whole prototyping process and design process because every wood blank is going to have a slightly different you know, buoyancy to it, different sections of, you know, your wood boards are going to be more dense or less dense than the other. So I was like, man, this is going to be hard to do. So anyways, uh, once I kind of figured out what wood I wanted to use and everything and got the weighting all, you know, locked in, then I realized uh, after, you know, doing a few test run batches last year and sending these out to, um, you know, a couple guides or whatever, they started actually, they kind of helped me out with this. I, I'll actually uh, give Troy White from uh, Blackwater Muskie a little shout out on this because he started changing the hooks out on them. And since they were weighted almost perfectly neutral to where they can pretty much pause in place if, if, if you want them to, he started, he was like, man, like I, I want these to go deeper. So he just put on some slightly larger hooks or like a slight uh, or a different leader, like a floral leader, he was just kind of messing around with all the different variations. And, you know, we kind of worked together on that and then kind of came to the conclusion like, okay, well, the weighting is good right here at this neutral level where it can just pause in place. But, you know, all you really have to do is downsize your, your hardware and you uh, downsize your hardware if you want it to flow, or you can upsize your hardware to get it to sync or, you know, any, any variation you really want. So even though it doesn't have the cool, you know, weight, external weight system that the screw in weight, you, you don't need it. You, you can, there's so many different possibilities because the bait is so small and there's so little um, mass to it. 
you can really manipulate this bait. And I think that that's where it truly shines. It's just extremely versatile. Um, you know, if you want, you know, there's just so many possibilities. If you want the head to sink a little, you know, more downward, you can use a larger leader. There's just, that's where the bait shines. So that's where the soul searcher shines is just the overall versatility. It allows the consumer, the customer, the client to kind of do whatever they feel fit in whatever fishing situation that they're in um, to that bait. And also, I, I know you mentioned that uh, there's just such a high demand. Well, I think another reason for that, um, and well, A, besides that main selling factor, which is the versatility, I think the other thing is, is that these are still kind of new to the market, new to my customer base, because I kind of sat on those freight trains for a good two, two and a half years. That's pretty much all I was building were freight trains, and I did bucktails on the side. And uh, the freight train itself is also out of my shop. That was also kind of an anomaly of a bait from my shop because that one took off just as crazy as the Soul Searcher. The only difference between then and now is obviously I had a smaller customer base um, when I when I put the freight train out. But the overall um, demand for both baits was essentially the same. It's just I have a, a, a larger crowd now that that knows of me and they wouldn't know of me or know about these soul searchers if I hadn't put out the freight train. So the freight train is really what brought the demand to now. And I know that people are all, you know, they get super excited about the new stuff, but I would, you know, if you haven't tried a freight train out yet and all you've heard about are these, you know, these soul searchers, I would highly, highly suggest looking into uh, my freight train dive and rise bait because that's kind of the freight train dive and rise bait. That's where I really that's what kind of took bangerang to the next level was that that lure because again in, in the versatility of that lure is I'd say right on par with the Soul Searcher. It's just they're just two different style baits. So um, but yeah, I, I think that's where the demand is for the Soul Searchers is just they're, they're they're newer. I have a larger crowd now, but. I wouldn't have that crowd. I wouldn't have that demand if it weren't for the the freight train. So, folks, don't sleep on the freight train. Go grab one. I'd say they're reasonably priced for, for what you're getting. So give it a shot. Yeah, like I said, it has the removable weight system. I'd say it's a, a fairly unique dive and rise. I mean, like I said, I like my baits to go deeper. Everyone else, or I'd say generally speaking, most folks like, you know, deeper running baits, deeper running jerk baits. That was kind of one of the main selling factors of that was the freight trains go deeper than your average dive and rise. So, uh, yeah, don't, don't sleep on the freight trains. I know the soul searchers are sweet, but they're, they're both, um, great baits for just slightly different applications. Yeah, the, like you mentioned, the uh, neutral buoyancy on that Soul Searcher, that was the one thing I liked about it. The one I had, uh, you know, based off the leader I was using, it would rise slowly. And, in you know, mm-hmm. typically in those small baits, they generally pop out of the water very quickly. So that was the one thing I loved about the Soul Searcher when I played with the one I had was I just loved how it would hang in the water for so much water, longer than what you typically would see out of those small baits. It's a Definitely a, a unique bait, definitely a cool bait. You know, it's, it's for sure that way. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Yeah, and I, I just also, I, I think another thing is is in kind of a reason why maybe, a possible reason why maybe I've um, grown 
such a, um, I guess, uh, dedicated, eager um, customer base is just because, again, I make these baits. I, I am a musky guy. I am a, a diehard musky guy. So, and I've, I fish a whole lot of baits, a whole lot of musky baits. And, you know, I build these baits. I want them to do something different, something that I want out of a bait that I'm not getting out of any of the other baits I've fished. And I think that's another reason why people just appreciate my work is just, and not to say that any other baits are, are better or worse. It's just, it's from a musky guy for musky guys. I invest a lot of just time and effort and passion into making the absolute best bait that I possibly can. It's been working for me. I mean, it's, it's, it's and they've been working for hundreds of other people. So I'm just going to kind of stay on that program. Just keep making baits that I want baits that fit my needs and then share them with whomever would like to, to have them. That's, that's kind of my program. Uh, tools. I always call them tools. Every musky bait is yep, a tool. Absolutely. You know. Yep. Tools. You don't. Uh, you don't use the same tool for every single job. Same thing with musky baits. You don't use the same tool for every job there either. And and, and people absolutely. have people have different. You know, different ways they like to approach musky fishing. So, you know, yep. one tool where it may work better for one guy, and it may not work as well for another guy. I agree a hundred percent. And that's another thing is it's just um, yeah. I think folks that are new to my lures and they're used to maybe just the general stuff, you know, you know, the household brands, the household baits that you, you kind of get on a regular basis. Um, I think they quite don't understand at least right off the bat, like, you know, like the freight train, it's super deep, but if you're used to fishing, say like a Suic unweighted, oh, a weighted freight train is, it's going to be a lot different. I mean, it's, it's the same style of bait, but it's a lot different. And kind of just circling back to what you're saying is every bait that's cool is, uh, I think some people just don't quite grasp that, that concept that it is a tool. It's different. It's not going to be like this, or it's not going to be like this. It's just, it is what it is. And if you know what you're doing, or, or at least you know what you want, you'll look at each bait individually and understand, um, you know, this is what I'm going to use for this. And this is what I'm going to use for this. All right. So Nick, we've, we've done the soul searchers. We've done these, these, uh, smaller freight trains. Let's talk a little bit about what might hold for the future with bangering, you know, coming, I guess I would say this fall. Yeah. Near future we have, well, uh, our next batch is going to be, and obviously you and me have already talked about this. We're going to do um, a batch of the eight inch freight. I'd say out of all the freight train models that I've put out, you know, uh, 10, 12, sixes, eight, eight seem to be the ones that the sweet spot, the eight inchers. I know you've had some, you know, some folks reach out to you about those. I've had a lot of folks reach out to me about those. Um, I haven't done a big batch of eight inch freight trains in probably a year and a half because I was focused on the six inch freights because those were new about a year and a half ago. And I've obviously been more focused on the six inch soul searchers for the past year. So we're going to kind of dial it back here on the little stuff. Now that springs over and whatnot, and everyone's kind of had their fill on the small baits and 
moving forward, we're going to, we're going to move on to some bigger stuff. So we're going to do a nice batch of eight inch freight trains, which in my opinion are probably the most sought after model in my opinion, just because again, it's, it's that sweet spot. They're not, they're not too big. They're not too small. And, uh, that model is also the model freight train that kind of started to get the freight trains to pop off was, was the eight inchers. I'd say pound for pound, they've probably caught the most fish out of all the models that I've put out. However, you know, the 10 inch freights, you know, moving forward, um, I haven't put out a whole lot of those. So that's, you know, it, it could just be based on that. I've definitely put out a lot of six inch freights, a lot of eight inch freights. But yeah, this, this next batch is going to be eight inch. And then obviously towards fall, we're going to do probably a, a medium sized batch of those 10 inchers, because in my opinion, those, those 10 inchers probably have, in my opinion, the, the best action out of all the freight trains. So, um, that's kind of, uh, kind of what you and me, that's the program you and me are going to be on for uh, the next couple of months here. But we also have something else in the works that I've been working on for the past, I'd say six or seven months. I do have an eight inch soul searcher. I've only put out six inches. That's all there is out there on the market right now are six inches. I'm just about finished up uh, prototyping these eight inches. I'm going to send one out to you, Jeff, to check out and see how you like it and whatnot and send, send a few out to some guides here. But uh, I went up to uh, the UP back in June and did some proto testing on them, some water testing, and I am very, 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 I'm actually more, um, I'm more stoked on these eight inch soul searchers than I was on the six inch soul searchers. And I think kind of the same thing for the freights, the eight inch freights. I think that these are going to be more of the sweet spot They're Again, there's that perfect, just middle ground, you know, size that, you know, you can kind of throw all year round, you know, if all goes well, once we get this, this batch of eight inch freights out to you guys, we're going to see if we can get these soul searchers um, pumped out this year, at least, at least maybe a small batch just for folks to kind of get used to get used to the new, uh, the new size. And I mean, obviously it's got the same general action as the six inch, but um, it's going to move a lot more water. Obviously it has, it's going to have a lot more uh, tail flare to it. Tail is going to be knocking left and right, nice and hard. The the six inches are kind of more of a, uh, I guess, um, kind of a, not a spy bait, but, um, kind of more of an application bait, you know, small water, skinny water, shallow water. These eight inches are going to kind of be able to serve all, you know, all facets, whatever situation you're in. So very, very excited on these. I'll probably have a water demo video coming out soon. And, um, obviously I'll, you know, be sending you one or two and you can, uh, make a video and, to give to your folks to kind of see what what's going on with those. But yeah, very, very excited with the eight inch soul searchers. That's kind of what's on the radar for the near future. I also have some other stuff for uh, show season, but maybe we'll do another podcast this winter and maybe talk about upcoming stuff that I have been having in the works for the past couple of years. Actually, I got a new bait that I want to put out this show season, but we're going to, we're going to keep that one quiet for a little while until I'm, done kind of working out all the little tiny kinks awesome i'm definitely excited for all, all of it that's coming i mean the stuff that you've sent already is unbelievable this next batch that 
either may or may not be in stock, depending upon when somebody, when somebody listens to this. They're they're on Unreal too, so I'm excited about that. Nick, before we let you go, if somebody wants to check out some of your work on social media, how do they go about finding you? Yeah, social media, I like to keep to a bare minimum. Uh, I am a one-man operation. I don't have a anyone controlling my social media except for me. So um, I right now, all I have is uh, my Instagram. I kind of use Instagram as sort of my portfolio, but obviously, you know, I'll post updates and whatnot on there too. Um, I don't have a Facebook page uh, for the time being. Um, I just do not have the time to be, you know, all over the, the socials and whatnot. So, um, yeah, go check me out on, on Instagram. That's, uh, pr- actually that's pretty much, that's, that's the only social media platform I use now, but, uh, yeah, uh, Bangarang customs, uh, on Instagram. And, uh, if you guys need to get a hold of me for, you know, questions or anything like that, you can, uh, email me at Bangarang customs, LLC at gmail.com. And I'll get back to you as soon as I can. But, um, yeah, Jeff, and I just want to say, uh, you know, thank you so much for, um, you know, we've been talking, you know, business and getting this whole new deal with Team Rhino and everything set up since last year. And I just wanted to let everyone know who's maybe listening to this that, you know, might possibly want to work with Team Rhino in the future. Um, I've had nothing but a great experience so far with Jeff and Team Rhino. I'm very happy to be on the roster. Um, It's made my life a whole lot easier again being a one-man operation and jeff has been extremely accommodating and and understanding through um through the whole process and i'm just very excited to continue working with you uh i'm very happy and thankful for all the opportunities you've you've given me thus far um in working with you and uh yeah i look forward to the future Thanks, Nick. I really appreciate the kind words. I mean, we're definitely happy to have you amongst all of our talented bait makers that we have. I mean, you you fit in great. Your stuff is awesome. It's um, you know, it's a great addition, and so we're happy to have you along too. And so it's like I said, it's been a good partnership, and hopefully, uh, you know, as, I don't see anything changing as long you know we can continue down that road. And you know, I'm excited where the you know what you have coming in the future. It's gonna be it's gonna be great. So, um, with absolutely, that, Jeff. Thank you so much for the great words as well. Thank you, Nick. I appreciate you taking time out of your schedule. I realize that it's a weekend and, you know, you do have other things to do other than talk musky fishing. I mean, I don't, I don't know what else you'd rather be doing, but um, I'm sure you could find something. Anyways, so I want to thank you for that. We're definitely looking forward to, like I said, everything that you have to, coming in the future. And so thanks again. Yeah, thanks a lot, Jeff. Uh, we'll talk to you soon, all right? So that's our conversation we had with Nick. Bangarang Custom Lures. If you're looking for one of his soul searchers or freight trains, check out our website if you're listening on release date tonight. If you're listening some at some point this week, it's possible we might have a few baits left on there. So go check it out, teamrhinooutdoors.com. It's always cool to see businesses driven by passion and hard work, and I would say that Nick is definitely doing that with his Bangarang Custom Lures. And, you know, as he mentioned there at the end, we're going to have some bigger sizes coming because it's it's getting to be that time. I mean, oddly enough, it's you know, mid-August already, and summer's clipping on by, and my kids start school again in two weeks, and it's it's just amazing how fast time flies. You always hear about it, but it's definitely true. Once again, we want to thank everybody for listening to this episode. We want to thank everybody who comes out and watches one of our YouTube videos, listens to any of our podcasts, whether it be this one or Backlash Podcast, and we can't thank everybody enough for their support. 
and their business with Team Rhino Outdoors. I know that we say it all the time, but we're a family-run business. You know, my wife and my kids and myself are all the ones that run the business. And for that, we thank all of you for shopping with us. And with that being said, I'm going to move on. I have some stuff to do yet today. I know you have some stuff to do. Everybody's busy. And we will see everybody with a new episode at some point in the future. Again, I wish we were more consistent with this with this podcast. I wish I could tell you that we'd have one out every single week at this date. And it's just not the case. But we'll keep, we'll keep putting them out, keep plugging along. Thanks, everybody. Good luck fishing.